Mason, why in the world would you deliberately chase a tornado? Uh, is this some sort of riddle? <laughs> no, you went storm chasing a couple of weeks ago out in Colorado. Are you having a midlife crisis? <laughs> Perhaps. But in this instance, I was fulfilling a promise to my son, Cooper. Turns out, chasing severe weather is also great photography. That sounds wild. I think we need to photocombobulate this. It is wild. Let's strap in and hang on. Go in there. Go in there. Wait. You're going to miss it. Hold on. Hold on. Just hold on a second. Have you lost your nerve? (laughs) Tighten your seatbelt. It wasn't exactly like the movie Twister, but intercepting massive supercells in the Midwest is a whole lot of fun. And these spectacular weather events are undeniably photogenic. I'll share what I learned chasing storms with my son. From speeding tickets to tornado warnings, I got them all. <laughs> Wait, you got a speeding ticket? <laughs> yeah. We'll go ahead and answer this question right off the bat, Jeff. I was going to say, because... Um, I did get a speeding ticket in Kansas. Rightly deserved. Completely uh, no contest. I was speeding. <laughs> I was also speeding in Colorado and got pulled over. So uh-huh. I... You know me, Jeff. I'm an incredibly cautious driver. Uh-huh. I have not had a... I can't remember the last time I got pulled over, honestly, prior to this trip. But to get pulled over twice in two days was um, <clears throat> it was humbling. It was humbling. Now, were you were you speeding because you were you were trying to race away from a storm for your safety? I'm guessing you're. That was probably no, not the not opposite. The case. Going towards the storm. <laughs> try try to get times. to the storm as fast as possible. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Both times. Yeah. yeah. I'll bet and, the uh, local authorities love when these big storms come in and people like you come tearing through their state. They were completely unimpressed with my need to get to that storm. <laughs> completely unimpressed. So they are, yeah, definitely used to storm chasers tearing it up out there. But it, let's go back to the beginning. I'll, I'll tell the story of, of how I ended up storm chasing because it's something I've never done. I've, you know, as you know, um, and as our listeners will know, I was a photojournalist a long time ago, but never once was in a tornado warning, any kind of severe. I've been through. Uh, thunderstorms and of course, you know, the typical Northwest weather. Yeah. But boy, to go out in the Great Plains and chase these big supercells was completely new to me. And it was a product of my son, Cooper, who's 12. Uh, His fascination with severe weather started several years ago. He's been into this now for at least four years that I can remember, where he's been kind of obsessed with tornadoes and watching YouTube videos about storm chasing. And I don't know how many times we've seen the movie Twister together, along with all the other tornado movies that are out there now. He's really, really obsessed, not with storm chasing necessarily. He's really obsessed with the science of tornadoes and severe weather. He's especially kind of captivated by how tornadoes are assessed and how they how meteorologists will go in and survey an area that's been damaged and how they judge the strength of the tornado based on its uh, damage to buildings. Mm-hmm. And so I told him at the beginning of this last school year, he was starting at middle school, sixth grade. It's a big change, brand new school, 
didn't know anybody. It was a, it was pretty stressful. And so to encourage him, I said, you know what? I know you love severe weather. Um, if you get good grades this year, I'll take you storm chasing next summer. And he was like, what? Like mind blown. Like that's, that, that would be incredible. <laughs> Cooper's not a great student. He's never really taken academics really seriously in elementary school. It was sort of a third or fourth thing on his list that he was concerned with, mm-hmm. but I got to hand it to him. He worked hard. He worked really hard this year. There was uh, a few times where his grades had dropped down. And I said, Hey, you know, that storm chasing trip. And he's like, Oh yeah. And he got motivated and he finished with really great grades, not straight A's, but really close. And he had some tough uh, teachers. So his school is an accelerated math and science school. And so he was actually doing seventh grade math and science this year. Um, at the wow. For the last half of the year, he'd moved on to seventh grade stuff. And so I was really impressed that he got the grades. The problem is we are pretty darn busy in the summer. We've got uh, trips planned. We have summer camp things scheduled, family vacations, things like that. And so when I sat down to look at the calendar – there was really only a couple of windows where we could get away for a few days and, and get out somewhere and fly somewhere and, and go storm chasing. And one of them was in August and the other one was uh, a couple weeks ago. And the window opened for us on a Wednesday and it was open through Sunday. And so I was like, that's a decent block of time. I went to him on Wednesday and I said, listen, bud, um, I think we, this might be our best shot. What does the weather forecast look like? And of course, he's following this closely. It's something he does every day. He checks the Severe Weather Prediction Center, you know, from the National Weather Service, their website, and follows all kinds of YouTubers that talk about predictions. And he says, yeah, we have an enhanced risk for severe weather in eastern Colorado. And I'm like, well, that's great because it's easy to fly to Denver from Portland. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we could easily get there uh, in one flight and uh, we can rent a car and we could be storm chasing, you know, as soon as we hit the ground. And so he says, yeah, we've got enhanced risk for the next few days. This looks like a great time. I said, let's do it. And so I booked tickets. So this is Wednesday afternoon. I booked tickets for Thursday morning and rented a car. I went on Budget's rental car site and I found that they had uh, a deal on a mystery car. (laughs) For the three days, I could get a mystery car for like $190. (laughs) For three days. And then I added the damage waiver to it because I anticipated that we might thrash this thing. Yeah. And so altogether, the car only ended up costing with all the insurance and everything less than $300. And I was, you know, the tickets weren't that bad. And I was just over the moon. I'm like, we're doing this. So we packed our bags. I grabbed all my camera gear and stuffed it into bags. And we, we got packed and we were on the road the next morning and flew out. We landed in Denver, had lunch, got our car and... We were out in it like right away. The storms were forming. You know, as we landed, we could see them forming and um, we just got right to it. It was, it was incredible. It was incredible for someone who plans everything <laughs> to death. Right. This was a, a, a seriously last minute opportunity that we just jumped on. I'm so glad we did. Was I was awesome. going to say, because, uh, so all right, a, a few things jumped to mind. First of all, like you said, you do plan things far in advance. That's like one of the things I I most respect about you when it comes to this kind of stuff because you're practiced at it, you're good at it, and just to be able to jump out by the seat of your pants and just like, all right, we're leaving tomorrow morning. A, it's great <clears throat> to hear that you can do that. <laughs> and B, I can imagine like that must have been quite the 
like getting out of your comfort zone, you know, because we've talked about it's good to plan and it's good to have your ideas in mind and and all of that so you can maximize the time that you're shooting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet sometimes you just got to say, hey, you know what? Things are lining up. Let's go. Yeah, and it's I, especially with severe weather, you can't schedule right. a trip around this. You've got to watch. You know, and they only really predict accurately out a couple of days on these severe storms. <clears throat> and so we knew that it traditionally at this time of the summer, you know, anywhere from, you know, April now through June is tornado season, right? And so you've okay. got a general window, but it could go weeks without anything. And what we'd seen in Colorado was sort of every day these things were firing up and this the way that, you know, the jet stream was placed, it was just a perfect uh, scenario for these storms to pop up just right over Denver and then they just cruise southeast. They just go all the way down to Oklahoma City. They just just straight shot. And it's almost like a conveyor belt every day. You know, same time they start and they run down. It's just is are they going to be strong enough to spawn tornadoes? Are they going to be strong enough to be severe thunderstorms? Or are they just going to be thunderstorms? And yeah. I sort of expected that we were just going to see thunderstorms and that we'd get out there and we'd see some cool lightning and we might see some wind and it would be like, Oh, it was our first time. You know, <laughs> we took it easy. Good try. But man, yeah. The first day we just got right into it and kind of to be, to be frank, Jeff, we got this shit scared out of us right away <laughs> on the first day. And it was eye opening for me. And it was, it, I think it was humbling for both of us. Um, so to continue the story, you know, we we started in Denver and we went east and we're from the airport in Denver, you're basically not in the mountains. You're you're out in the prairie already. And so right. we just went uh, east and we stopped at this little town where we could see the storms building up. We we're watching radar on our phones. We have these apps that we follow. The radar, you know, these radar apps and I wanted to get our gear set up in the truck. And so we, <laughs> what I didn't mention was the mystery vehicle turned out to be a <laughs> Four by four Ram Rebel <laughs> pickup truck, which is a souped up, big, huge engine, big, muddy tires, right? Like the perfect uh, rural stomping around vehicle. Yeah. And uh, not great for gas mileage, but not, oh. not horrible. Not horrible. Honestly, not too much worse than like a minivan would be. But oh. it was it was massive and it was red. So it looked just like the truck from Twister. <laughs> <laughs> the movie, which Cooper was super excited about. I was like, I don't know if this is good or bad, right? Yeah. Because that truck didn't do well in the movie. No. Um, <laughs> but it was a massive truck that had a huge cab, and we had all this space for our gear. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to stop and kind of get GoPros set up and mounts for our phones and stuff, because we were just up to that point, just everything was in our hands. And it's, it's really hard to navigate and follow radar and do all these things with everything just sort of laying around. So we wanted to mount yeah. everything. And so we stopped in this little town and mounted, I'll put a photo in the show notes, but go Cooper put a GoPro on the windshield so we could record uh, what was happening out in front of the truck. And then he had another mount for his phone where he could do videos with his phone and also watch the radar. And then I wanted an app on my phone where I could see the radar. Uh, and then we had the screen down below it uh, that comes in the truck that had the navigation on it. 
So we were pretty well festooned with screens at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had stopped and got things like water and snacks and the usual road trip stuff. So we felt pretty ready and the storms were building. And so we started heading out to where we thought the storms were headed. And um, the sky was amazing. It was these really incredible mammatus clouds, which is really cool texture. I'll put a photo in the show notes. And we got out amongst all these big wind turbines and the country is just wide open spaces. It was really uh, spectacular. So I stopped at one point and took a few photos. But for the most part, we just kind of flew down the road uh, trying to get out uh, into these storms. And not knowing... Eastern Colorado at all. We would look at the map and we would look at the radar and we would see where the storms were trending and be like, okay, if we get go down that road and jog over on that road, you might be able to be in a spot where we could see this storm you know, mm-hmm. intensify. And what we learned pretty quickly is it's very deceptive to look at a map and then say, oh, we'll just zip down there because that zipping down there could be a hundred miles. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so we're just, bl- just plowing along down these roads. Now, the nice thing about Colorado and everywhere else we went in the Midwest, all these roads are really nice and flat and straight, and they're all like 65-mile-an-hour roads. They're just, you know, the speed limits are really high, and you can just fly along, and there's nothing to get in your way. It's just cruising along. And so we were chasing uh, certain cells and looking at them developing, and then they would they would pop up on the radar that the cell had become a uh, severe storm. So the weather service would tag it as a severe storm and give a prediction on how much wind it would have, how much hail it would have, and whether or not it was potentially a tornado spawning storm. And we started seeing these, seeing these storms become uh, severe. And uh, one in particular that was really big, <laughs> it was like this big blob on the radar. We're like, let's go for that one. And we were behind it. And it was kind of off to our north, and we were going down this highway. And it started to kind of converge with us in the highway. And this is, you know, in evening time. So we've been chasing this these cells now for a few hours. And mm-hmm. we got down this road, and it started to – we were chasing the storm. We could see it building, and I actually had a time lapse of it. It looked really impressive. And then we got into the storm. Okay. And – I've been in a lot of severe thunderstorms and I've seen hail, you know, I've seen all kinds of bad weather. I've never seen anything quite like this. It hailed so hard. We kept slowing down and slowing down and slowing down. And pretty soon I'm doing like 20 miles an hour and it's hailing and raining so hard. I can't, there's a truck, big semi truck in front of me and all I could see is it's taillights and that's it. Everything else was just water. Wow. And the sound, it sounded like somebody was just slinging gravel at the truck. You know, just, you know, the sound of the hail. And it it got to be about quarter size hail, I would say, you know, like one inch hail. Mm -hmm. And I said, I need to pull off. This is, you know, I think it's going to break the windshield. I'm, you know, it's so loud. I'm really starting to get freaked out. And Cooper's eyes were just huge. And finally, we found a spot. It was so wet. Everything had you know, soaked everything. I didn't want to pluff side road and like get stuck in the mud, even though I had this big truck. Um, and so finally I found a little road that came off to the side and I pulled off and some person that was behind me, they pulled off too and got in behind me. And we sat there and I'm, I'm going to post this video in the, um, show notes page, but I took a couple of videos of us sitting in the hail and the hail at this point had gotten smaller. So it was like marble sized hail (laughs) and it was so loud. It was just, 
it was just pouring down and the wind was rocking the truck. It was really intense. And so we sat there for probably five, 10 minutes. We were watching the radar and it had crossed the road. The storm had crossed the road and it was off to our right now. We're headed east. And so it looked like we could get past it and get out. And the typically the tornadoes that form in these storms form on the front leading edge, on the mm. wall cloud on the leading edge. And so we wanted to get out past it so we could look back and see this tornado. And it, as we were sitting there waiting, the storm went tornado warned, which means the weather service has determined that there's enough rotation Inside the storm, they're, they're measuring the velocities of the, the, the storm cell. And there's enough rotation that a tornado is likely to be forming soon. And so they put a cone around it. And they're like, this is where the tornado could be. And it was directly to our right. And so we're like, wow, if we get out past this, we can get some distance and we can maybe see this tornado. But it's getting dark. It's starting to get dark. Mm-hmm. And so we're almost to Kansas, too. We're way out there. So <laughs> we're flying along. And we, it's, everything's flooded. There's hail piled up on the sides of the road. You know, the storm as it had crossed the road was just a monster. It was so rainy and so much hail and stuff. We couldn't see any definition off to the right, but it looked like just a mess over there. So we, we zipped ahead and eventually we kind of broke free of the precipitation and we were under this leading edge of the cloud and it was like constant lightning in the sky, just boom, 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 like strobe lights. And we drove like that for 45 minutes and this storm was just right next to us going at, we were doing 65. It was keeping up with us. It was going pretty darn fast. (laughs) And we watched it sort of fade away to the right. So it continued South and we were going directly East and there was no way we were going to be able to turn right. There was no roads that went that way. And so we sort of watched it fade away and and Cooper was like, man, that was crazy. And I was like, yeah, it's really intense. Let's, you want to call it a day? And he said, yeah, it's pretty dark. And so we found this little town that had one hotel and I went in there and it was, it was sort of like the movie Twister. You know, they always stopping and, you know, getting food and getting, going to hotel. It was this rundown little hotel on the side of the road, uh, in this sleepy little town. It's like nine o'clock at night and all around is lightning. It just boom, 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 up in the sky. Um, but there was no sound. There was no thunder that I could hear and there was hmm. no wind. It was very calm. And I went in and, and got us a room. And the guy says, I'll put you on a lower floor because it's going to hail. It could hail a lot. And I'm like, wow. And he goes, yeah, the rooms down low don't have windows, so the windows won't break. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So we got in this room, and we couldn't hear anything. But a couple of times we looked at the radar as we were getting ready to go to bed, and this cell kind of passed over us again and pounded down on this town a little bit and then moved along. And we went to bed. So we get up the next morning and that same storm was all the way in Oklahoma City. It's crazy, crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Hey, hang on. Now, when you say it doesn't have windows, does that mean like there's no <laughs> glass, but it's just open or there's just no, no windows no at windows. all? It was, it, it, was a, it was a really weird hotel. And I, my guess is that it's mostly built for like the bad weather of the wintertime, not tornadoes. But gotcha. <clears throat> it was uh, – you went in a front entrance and there was a main kind of – to call it a lobby is a bit generous. Yeah. <laughs> there was a central area. Uh, and then all the room doors were in this central area. And they didn't have exterior windows. And gotcha. so uh, it was weird. There was, a, there was a window, but it faced this interior lobby area, we'll call yeah. it. And so it was basically a place okay. to sleep. Yeah. 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 Some place to crash. It was, it was rough. Okay. 
I have a couple of questions. You actually did a really good job of answering the questions that I was coming up with okay. uh, just by telling your story. But I want to back up a little bit in the name of photocombobulating. Yes. Because – I can just listen to you tell stories. This is basically how we spend all of our time driving. <laughs> it was yeah. just the, the two yeah. of us telling stories. But tell me about – all right. So photographically, I feel like I need to get a little bit on topic in the sense of you're going to go chasing storms. What are you bringing with you? Great question. Did yeah. you just throw everything in a bag or what is your thought process on <laughs> – like what kind of things you're going to need to take. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, again, in my defense, I had, <laughs> in my you know, defense, I had an afternoon to, to think about this and put this kit together. But one of the things I feel pretty strongly about when I'm traveling these days by air is that I don't want to check a bag. Yeah. I just, I didn't want to be hung up by that. And I didn't want there to be the hassle of that. And so um, I packed a small backpack that had clothes and my iPad in it. So the only tech I brought for working on photos was my iPad Pro, my big iPad Pro, mm, okay. which is typically what I take when I travel these days. I don't usually bring the laptop. And then in my camera bag, I used a roller. And so I have a Shimoda Designs roller bag that will fit. Uh, it's a carry-on size roller. So it'll fit in the overhead bin. And in that, I put my A7R5, my Sony A7R5, which is my you know, camera that I love. Yep. And it was my only, you know, real camera that I brought. I put in the bag as well, the 70 to 200 2.8 lens, because I knew that I would probably be shooting, you know, long distances to get these storms. My anticipation was that I wouldn't be in them. I'd be, you know, looking across the prairie. So yeah, 7,200 was sort of the thing. And then I have a 1.4 extender that I always bring with that, which okay. turns it into a, a 280 millimeter lens you know, as longest end. I knew that the lens that I wanted to shoot like inside the vehicle and stuff would be my 24 millimeter prime, which is a 1.4 mm -hmm. uh, lens, which is just a delicious lens. It's a wonderful lens. So I brought that. It's not very big, so it almost always goes with me. And then I also brought the 14 millimeter prime, which is mm -hmm. a, also a bright prime. It's a 1.8 lens. And then I brought my 51.2 prime, which is my Kind of my favorite lens. It, it, it's the one I kind of always grab when I don't know what else to grab. And it's a nice medium length, standard length lens. Um, I can't and imagine that's you it, leaving without the 50. I honestly. can't. Yeah, I can't honestly <laughs> think of it, ever bringing anything but the 50. But uh, <laughs> so that's what I put in the bag. And then I also put these mounts and things for the phone, the uh, GoPro mounts and all that. I also had to go into the bag along with a first aid kit. Um, right. Filters. Uh, and I brought my really right stuff, medium sized tripods. I didn't bring the giant tripod. I sometimes bring, I brought the one that travels a little better, mm -hmm. but I wanted something really stable. Uh, and I knew that the peak design travel tripod would be a little light for the heavy weather. So I brought the more, the more intense tripod and I'm glad I did. I actually used it uh, several times. The reason I'm glad I brought it was it was stuck in the side pocket of my backpack and it fits nicely in the side pocket and just sits on the side of my pack. And as we're waiting to catch the shuttle back to the airport at the end of the trip, this guy next to me goes, Hey, is that a really right stuff tripod? I said, yeah, it is. You know, I've had it for a long time. He goes, really? I'm the really right stuff guy. No. And he's the owner of the company. And I'm like, Wow, I've got that. And I've got the little travel tripod. And I was telling him all the other stuff I had. And he goes, that's awesome. Thanks for being a customer. So it was kind of cool to meet him. But wow. like, you know, he didn't give me a, a discount code. That that 
that guy. <laughs> um, he just he just enjoyed my money. Yeah, for gear, I didn't didn't bring a lot. Now the the right question would be, how much of that gear did you actually use? And right. The truth that is, was the next question. I used the twenty four millimeter and I used the seventy to two hundred. I could have left the fifty. I could have left the fourteen at home. I didn't use the extender. Mm-hmm. So I used the tripod, the camera, and two lenses. And I could have carried all that in my little shoulder bag. Yeah. <laughs> could have easily fit that in a shoulder bag. Well, and then it, you know, it, in terms of bag, is, is that roller bag also what you bring your clothes in? Like, did you just bring one bag? No, you had. No, I had my clothes you had in the clothes backpack. clothes in another, in a backpack. Yeah, so okay. I had the backpack that had my clothes and the iPad in it. So okay. I could have pulled this off and I would do this again. I would do, the, do it this way is I would have a shoulder bag with definitely the 7200, 2.8. Great, mm-hmm. great lens. I would like a wide zoom, and I've actually ordered a wide zoom. Uh, I've ordered the 20 to 70 millimeter, okay. which is an F4 zoom. I'm or- I-, I got it for another trip, but that's the, that's the lens I would bring for something like this. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think, that, I think that would cover it. So that would cover from 20 millimeters, which works great on the insides of vehicles, you know, in you know, wide shots of clouds and things. All the way up to 280 millimeters with the extender. And that's yeah. a really wonderful range in two lenses. Switching lenses, not not going to happen in these weather situations. Yeah. Wind and driving dirt and rain and all this stuff. I was just like, why did I bring prides? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two more questions before we get to your next day. When you are – so we have the gear out of the way. But when you are chasing storms – are you looking at a storm and just headed straight for it? Are you trying to get around it? I mean, you mentioned a little bit like like you wanted to get to the front of it, but it also sounded like at least for this first day, you were just, there's a storm, it's due east, let's go. What is your general strategy or is it just let's get closer and see how it shakes out? Well, our strategy evolved quickly. On this trip. <laughs> we learned a lot. It was really educational and d- we'll definitely do this again. So, we, you know, these are all lessons we're keeping in our pocket, but with these types of storms, they do trend and they tend to stay really stable on their trajectory. So they build and they move and they kind of eat a lot of energy as they go. And so you can look at the time of day and you can look what the sun's doing and dew point temperatures, all these different factors. You'd be like, okay, that thing's really going to explode about this point. Um, you don't want to be right in front of a, tor- a tornado, right? Probably not. No. Um, but you want to be close enough to the front that you can get photos of the front and the structure of the cloud, the supercell. But you want to be able to move out of its way quickly. And that's a challenge um, in the Midwest because there's not roads everywhere. You could go 10, 15, 20 miles before you get to the next road. Right. So what we did was we actually ended up chasing, literally chasing a storm. We just get behind it. And the second day was spent mostly behind storms and we didn't see much because mm. we were the backside of a storm is the ugly side. You're in the rain, you're in the, you know, kind of the, the wispy clouds that come off the back of these things as they truck along. So I would prefer to be out in front and off to the side. Uh, typically with the storm that's going southeast, I'd want to be kind of um, to the east and a little bit north of its trajectory. So it's going to move past me and away from me as it, as it. Kicks up mm-hmm. a tornado if it ever did. Yeah. What we, how we learned to do this is with lots of different radar tools where you can track its speed and all of these things. 
But I'll tell you what the big secret is. You figure out who's better and you see where they are. Yeah. And so what we did in our radar app is there was a uh, function where you could see where storm chasers were that, um, that log in and live stream from these ah. things. So there's all these storm chasers that live stream these chases on YouTube and they were all out there. They were all chasing the same storms. And so we were, you know, just a few miles away from Reed Timmer, right? The big famous, you know, storm chaser and, and all these other kind of celebrities that we followed. And there's one guy in particular that I really thought was smart. And he was on this one app that we were using. His name is Vince. And we say, where's Vince? <laughs> Which road is Vince on? Let's get on that road and see if we can stay near Vince. And we learned that by the third day, you know, we start the day like, where's Vince staging? Where's Vince going to, which storm is Vince going for? That's the one we're going to do. And it was pretty funny because I know we're not the only people that do this. You know, they're only storm chasers that do this, but to kind of see the, the psychology of, you know, the storm, finding which storm chaser is not too crazy, which storm chaser is not going to get you into trouble and be like, let's just trail behind them and see, see what they, mm -hmm. they bring us. Also, the really fun thing is you can watch their live streams. And so I would, another thing I would bring on the next chase is another phone. I would get as another phone that I could just set up on a personal hotspot from my phone. Yeah. And I would have it playing YouTube live streams of these chasers because they're talking about their strategy. They're like, Hey, I'm watching this cell on radar and it looks like it's going to, you know, could trend this way. So I'm going to take this road down and try to, and so I was like, great. You know, that was really nice to be able to kind of watch over their shoulder. And so yeah. that, that was really fun. It's actually pretty fun. <laughs> All right. So as you were doing that, I'm trying to picture this in my head. Like, was it, crowded out there? I mean, I know, you know, when we go to a lot of photo locations, destinations, sometimes there'll be a whole lot of photographers. And I'm trying to get a sense, how many other people like you two are out there following these guys? Or is it just because there's so much scale, there's so much road and space that that's not really an issue? I think that's part of it. There are a lot of people chasing storms. We saw, there was a couple of times where the train of storm chasers, you know, cause they all do st stay fairly close together. We're going a opposite direction. We were going, so they all kind of went by us and we're like, I think we need to turn around. <laughs> and this was on the second day. I'm like, I think we're going the wrong way. And what they had done is they decided that the storm that they were all chasing was not the storm and mm. they were giving up on it and going to a different one. And so that's the other part of this is there's not just one of these supercells that is being the, the, the big show, there's maybe four or five or six each day. And the game is, is which one's going to, going to make it, which one's going to sustain itself and maybe produce a tornado and which one's going to peter itself out. Or are they going to merge? You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't see crowds of people. I didn't, you know, it wasn't like, I go back the, on the third day, our big day of storm chasing, we did stop in a, in a tornado worn storm. We were just outside of it. We did stop at a spot up on a hill. We thought we had a great vantage of a, a possible tornado. And um, we had several people pull up alongside of us that were chasing as well. And so that was the one time where I was like, wow, we're kind of in this scrum of, of chasers. Yeah. The rest of the time, didn't see him. We saw him on huh. the maps, but we didn't see him in person. Yeah. So Okay. My last question for now is, <laughs> um, again, photographically, you're driving, you're chasing – how often are you getting out and saying, all right, this would make a good picture? Or is this – you're spending most of the time just chasing storms for the experience for Cooper and you 
snag some photos here and there. Is that more like the trip or? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's how it felt, but it's just us here, right? Yeah, it's just us. I was not real. I mean, I wanted Cooper to have a great experience, but I also wanted some damn photos. You yeah. know, I was there too. <laughs> I wasn't like, oh, this is so nice for my son. You know, for me, it was like, you know, I, I really was kind of jonesing for some great, you know, supercell photos. Cause that's yeah, something yeah. I don't, I don't have. I mean, I photograph so many things, but that's not one of them. And I've never seen a tornado. So I really wanted to see a tornado as much as Cooper, if not more, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Just maybe at a little further distance than him. Yeah. But all that said, it was really hard to stop and take photos for a couple of reasons. One, there's just nowhere to pull over. The shoulders of these roads are all soft and muddy and uh, you don't want to go down dirt roads because they're just quagmires. There's a couple of them that we went down and it was like, man, I'm so glad we have this truck and not a regular car because we'd be stuck up to the frame in mud and we'd be stuck here. Yeah. And so it, it it's not like you can just pull off and take a photo of this structure. So you kind of have to think ahead. And on the third day when I was sort of running out of time, I was like, this storm is really photogenic. I want to take some photos and we actually made the call. We're going to stop and take photos and we're not going to catch this. We're mm. going to miss the opportunity to see the other side of this because we're going to stop and take some photos. And I think that's that that was the right choice for us at the time. But I think it's also was kind of frustrating to, to not feel like I had all this time to work with. Yeah. So what I would do in the in future chases is I would figure out a way to mount my camera on the dash of the vehicle. I used my phone. I made some time lapses with my phone. I'll post them in the show notes. I took some photos with my camera of my phone through the uh, windshield and the iPhone pro 14 pro max works great for that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, but it's not my big Sony sensor. And so I would like to be able to just trigger the camera as I'm driving and be like, that's a cool shot. Boom. That's a cool shot. Boom. And get some shots that way and then be able to just grab it and jump out when we have those opportunities to grab it and jump out next, next trip. But, uh, yeah, it was not a lot of photography out of this whole trip. I probably made 300 photos, 400 yeah. photos, maybe. And that's, you know, that's not much for me. That's not much. No. <laughs> yeah. But Pretty you were kind of preoccupied, I think a little bit by, you know, the driving Right. I drove 1,600 miles. So that's, Good you know, heavens. that's a lot of miles per photo. Um, <laughs> and to be fair, so much of your drive is just getting to a spot where you can start your day of chasing. Mm-hmm. So your first four or five hours is not chasing. It's just staging. And so we'd sleep usually close to where we ended the first day. We'd be like, Oh, we're tired. Let's find a town with a hotel. And then the next morning we'd be like, where are they, you know, where is it? Where do they say they're going to start forming? We'll go see if we can chase one and we'll move back up. So we went from uh, Colorado to Kansas. The second day we spent good part of the day in Kansas, uh, which was lovely, but we didn't see much for storms. They, they formed and moved pretty quickly down into the Oklahoma panhandle. So we went down to the Oklahoma panhandle where I got my speeding ticket. <laughs> uh, well, I was no, wondering. Was ju- yeah, I guess it was an Oklahoma ticket, not a Kansas ticket. I don't remember. But yeah, it just flat and boring down there. Um, you need to know where you're going to go back to the courthouse. That's that. That's the thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the guy that gave me the ticket, yeah, you can come contest this. I'm like, yeah, right. Nobody <laughs> ever does that. So yeah, we, we got down into Oklahoma and we, we were chasing this one particular cell and it was moving away and it was late in the day and we'd kind of made some bad choices in our navigation and ended up in places that weren't 
Great. And so we are down in, in Oklahoma, really close to North Texas. And both Cooper and I had talked about, he, he had a strong desire to see some tornado damage. Mm. And it didn't have to be fresh, right? We didn't want to see something necessarily right away. Sure. But there had been a severe tornado outbreak in North Texas on June 15th. And so this is like three and a half weeks before we were there. And a tornado came through this town of Perryton in Texas, this little town. And Cooper's looking at the map. He says, hey, Perryton's right down there. I'm like, let's go. Let's go see it. And he goes, yeah, I bet you there's going to be some tarps over some of the roofs we'll be able to see. You know, they would have covered up where the damage would be able to see where the path of the tornado was. Yeah. And, you know, Cooper watches a lot of YouTube videos of these storms. And one of the ones that he'd showed me after it had happened, so like three weeks prior to this trip, was a drone video from Perryton where the person had flown the drone along the path that the tornado took through town. And there was just wholesale, wholesale destruction. It was just swath. And I hadn't remembered that that was Perryton. I hadn't connected that because we watched so many videos, right? Sure. Um, and we pulled into this town. I'm like, oh my God, this is the town from that video. He's like, yeah. And he goes, I would have thought that they'd have us cleaned up. And, and it looked like the tornado had just happened. It wow. was. It was just destroyed. There was buildings. I'll put photos in the show notes, of course, but there were buildings destroyed. We pulled over. And one of the things I, I learned as a photojournalist is um, you got to be really respectful in areas where, where people's lives have been destroyed. Yeah. And this, this tornado did kill three people and injured 100 people. So it was a pretty pretty bad tornado. And the storm that, had, that we were chasing had just passed through town. And so everything was soaking wet. And there's big kind of flooding here and there in town. Uh, and so the people are still kind of paying uh, prices for for living there from the weather. And so I told Cooper, I said, let's go walk around, but let's not be let's not be too touristy about this. Let's be respectful. Let's not be shouting and like, oh, cool, look at this. You know, none of that. Yeah, yeah you don't want cool. too much enthusiasm. Yeah, we don't want to be like, wow, this is amazing. And I was really impressed at Cooper's – he was somber. I mean, he was really – it really kind of made a strong impression. I'm like, wow, this is – these are powerful storms. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to watch a video of somebody intercepting a twister and then being like, woohoo, this is amazing. And, um, and even seeing like drone videos of damage, it's different to walk, walk down the street and see it uh, at yeah. ground level. And there was still everything there. There was very little that had been cleaned up. And so we walked down the main street, which was not just, just trashed turned the corner and went down a couple of blocks and there was city hall and city hall had been partially knocked down and there were several cars out front. There were city cars. They had the logos on the sides and everything. And they would, the windows were blown out and everything. And they, they just left them there for insurance to come and I guess, document it. Um, And so we looked at that and we kind of walked around. We saw a couple of houses that had been destroyed. There was nobody there. Everybody's gone. Mm. We saw some other people driving around and kind of looking, but we didn't see uh, anybody else walking around. We didn't see anybody else that seemed to live there. And it was just really, it was really striking. And so most of the photos I took on this trip were of this area in Perryton that we did. We eventually got back in the truck. We're like, well, are we going to finish the day chasing? Are we going to just go find a hotel? And I think we both were kind of exhausted from that survey of that town. It was kind of like, wow, this is um, scary stuff. And we ended up driving through a part of the town looking for where the tornado originally had touched down because you could see the swath. And we're like, it looks like it originally touched down over there. So we drove over there and this whole neighborhood was flooded. And so we're driving through this big truck and there were lots of everybody there had these big, big pickup trucks. Jeff, it was like 
a car was a rare sight. Yeah. And so we drive around, there's all these other people drive around, but it's like a foot and a half of water on the, on the road. Wow. And all these, a lot of these houses were flooded out and people were sitting out on their porches and stuff, um, talking to their neighbors and, you know, they'd wave as we drove by and we waved and, and I was like, wow, these people, Cooper, these people don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> this is, you know, the tornado came through three weeks ago. Now they got this. Um, mm-hmm. Severe storms rolling by pretty much every day this time of year. This is this is life here. And yeah. he was just like, wow. <laughs> was like eyes were really big. So it was really um, a wild way to spend our second day. Um, yeah. Well, storm chasing. I mean, when I've traveled, one of the things, and it, maybe this is just because I don't know. I, I, I'm getting older. I can sort of better appreciate travel. But one of the things that always strikes me is, especially like last year when we went to Europe, is going somewhere that you've seen in videos or pictures or news reports, right? You know, a tornado will come down. You'll, you'll see the overhead footage. You'll see, you know, local dignitaries come and inspect the damage, whatever, whatever. But to be there with your feet on that section of area and also have that memory and those visuals fresh has always made that a much more powerful experience for me. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. to – I'm talking about going to Rome and seeing things. Yeah, historic sites, right? Historic things sites, like right? Yeah. And so to be able to see not only the – Damage from a tornado, but the fact that it still is very fresh and untouched, and I can only imagine what an experience that would be. And I think, uh, like you've yeah, shown me a it, couple of pictures, and there's one that that I hope you put in the show notes where there was like a mural that was yeah. intact, but everything else destroyed next to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it it just spoke so much. Yeah, I'll put that photo in the show notes for sure. The thing that really struck me being there, and again, I've seen a lot in my years as a photojournalist, seen a lot of devastation from fires and floods and uh, you know bad storms and things. But my experience has always been that within a few days, there's recovery. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. The only time I've been in an area where it didn't seem like there was recovery was going through New Orleans a year after Katrina, and seeing the houses where the weeds had grown up to the eaves and where people just left. Yeah. You know, they, they were displaced by the hurricane and they just never came back. And there's just stuff piled, you know, just debris piled everywhere. That's what this felt like. Felt like people just didn't have any way to deal with it. So they just left. And I don't know if they'll come back and rebuild that town. I assume they will, but it, it was almost a month later and, um, there was just a few places where they'd even put up caution tape. Usually, you know, everything would be cordoned off with fencing and stuff. There was none of that. It was, you could walk into these buildings. There was one building with, that was, a, I think a restaurant had a bunch of equipment in the back in the kitchen mm-hmm. and it was still sitting on the table. Like the building had kind of fallen down and the stuff was right there. I'm like, well, that's expensive stuff. And it's just out in the weather and no one's had the opportunity or no one's had the the option to just start cleaning it up. And I'm assuming that part of that is insurance. They're waiting mm-hmm. for insurance assessment uh, and maybe, maybe the funds. But yeah, Cooper kept saying they haven't touched, you know, he was expecting tarps. He was expecting rebuilding and to see that. And I'm like, this, this is maybe how it is, is 
a disaster comes through like a tornado and it just displaces everybody. And it takes a long time for recovery to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think that really strengthened his resolve to be a meteorologist. I, that, that it's one of the things I know when I was 12, I wanted to be a thousand different things. Right. Um, I don't know if he'll continue that, that dream, but to see that it really solidified for him, it would be important work to figure out how to predict these things so people could get out of the way. Yeah. Um, and to survey the damage, to know the power of these tornadoes. And it was just really, it was a striking time. So we, we found ourselves in a town in Oklahoma that night. We got a hotel and the next day we drove, uh, we really wanted to get, we really wanted to get some storms the next day. Cause we kind of got skunked on day two. Yeah. Started strong, skunked on day two, but saw this incredible scene in Perryton. So we started early and we drove down into New Mexico and back up into Colorado, aiming for Colorado Springs. So south of Denver, because that's where a lot of these storms were starting, was just to the east of Colorado Springs. And then they'd kind of fly down uh, southeast Colorado and, and into Oklahoma and Kansas. And so we could see that there was already thunderheads popping up over the mountains and then they kind of form there and then they, they move off. And so we were moving as fast as we could getting up there and we got up to Colorado Springs and, um, we got on the, it was, it was just after lunch. So it was time for the storm chasers, the real storm chasers to start working. And so Reed Timmer was one of the first to get his live stream going. he's like, Hey, these storms are firing over Boulder and Denver and they're rolling out. We're, we're chasing these storms. We're like, okay, we're going to head up there. We're going to go up and get this storm. So we're going up and I look at the trajectory of the storm on radar. And I see that if we go up to Denver, we're going to have to turn and then chase this thing. And I'm like, I'm learning, I'm going to cut the corner and I'm going to get way out in front of this and let it come to us. Mm -hmm. And so I find this alternate route that jogs us on a combination of gravel and dirt roads and all this stuff way across country till we finally get to a highway and we're zipping along. Everybody's on this storm. They're like, Hey, it's gone tornado warned. You know, it's severe. It's really, it's really powerful. We got up to almost to where it was and we found that parking spot up on the hill and we could see where it was maybe going to spawn a tornado. It was really, it was really wild, Jeff, because we were right on the edge of it. We could feel it. It has a certain feeling about it, the wind and the, the way the air feels. And we were up in the bed of the truck and we were looking and Cooper had his GoPro and I had my camera and we're like, over there, over there, over there, over there was, a, was like a funnel cloud. Like everything looked like a funnel cloud. Like that's it, that's it, that. And all these other storm chasers were showing up. <laughs> and we realized that there was no funnel cloud. We just kept seeing what they're called scud. It's just clouds that are cast off from the storm. And uh -huh. it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, ah. And finally, we're like, I think we're on the wrong side of this. And we get back in the truck and we check radar and we see that the storm that we're on is starting to fall apart. Ah. Uh. And everybody's going towards this big, beautiful supercell that's coming off of Colorado Springs. And so we're like, oh, we were just there, <laughs> you know, an hour and a half ago. <laughs> so we turn around and we start heading south. Everybody's heading south towards this one big cell that looks like it's got legs. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep going. And we got behind that thing and we, we cut corners. We, we cut through a storm. We cut corners doing some really great navigation. Got on this one road. I swear it was 120 miles, just straight as an arrow. We got way down this road and our signal went away and we lost our radar. We lost the feeds of all these storm chasers. All we had was navigation. We knew where we were, but we didn't have any idea where the storms were or anything. We could see out the windows that there was the big cells around. 
So we're like, wow, I hope we don't go flying into something, <laughs> you know? And we get down to the bottom of this road where it tees with another highway and the storm is right in front of us. And we get our radar, we get our signals back and we get the radar back up. And we can see that the storm chaser that we've been following is right in front of us. He's like five miles away. And so we jog away on this road and we get over and the sun is coming down and it's hitting the, the side of this storm. And it's this supercell has gone to like 60,000 feet. It mm. has gone vertical. It's this huge mushroom cloud of just, it is just incredible to see. And it was uh, tornado warned, meaning it had a tornado possible inside of it. Nobody had seen it yet, but the radar was indicating that. And Cooper's like, oh my God, we're right there. We had to jog around to get on the safe side of it. And we pursued it south. And that's where, we, you know, the sun was hitting it and the lightning was, it was, lightning was going crazy. And we're looking at it and like, this is just a gorgeous storm. I have to stop and take these photos. And that's where we realized that, um, you know, to stop and take photos means we don't get to catch it. So we stopped on the side of the road, got out. I made a bunch of photos. I even did a panorama, which I'll put in the show notes. My best photo from the trip is gorgeous shot. This thing was just incredible to look at and the sun shining on everything. And then we headed south and the, the sun went down and we're chasing this thing and the lightning was all around us and we're just not catching it. And our signal went out again. So we lost mm -hmm. radar. We didn't know where the other chasers were. And this thing is just flying along. We're flying along, trying to catch it. And, and I'm like, Cooper, I don't know where this is anymore. All we see is lightning all around us. I don't want to drive into a tornado. And he's like, yeah, it's tornado warned. We're inside the tornado warning, I think. So let's slow down. <laughs> let's take it easy. We slowed down. And finally, he says, dad, let's go back. And I said, okay. So we turned around and we started heading back. We got back to the town that we'd passed through on the way down there. And we knew it had a hotel. We got back to that town and got our signal back and all these storm chasers were like, I got the t photos of the tornado. We saw the tornado and this thing had spawned a beautiful oh, man. tornado. They were all in the south side of it. They had found a way around the storm. We're 15, 20 miles ahead of us. Got these incredible photos. A couple of the storm chasers like this is the most beautiful supercell I've photographed. You know, all this stuff. I'm just like, ah, we saw a side of it. We didn't see the front of it. And uh -huh. so we got some amazing shots, but um, we missed the tornado. But Cooper's like, I'm glad we didn't see it because it would have meant going through it to get to the tornado. It meant yeah. going through that storm. And he was like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I don't want to do it either. <laughs> so we ended the chase with this incredible you know, experience of seeing this storm. And then we drove back to this town in lightning and it was just constant lightning. I'll put a video, a time-lapse in the show notes of us driving through this countryside with the lightning just going crazy. And the next morning we drove back to Denver, turned the truck in and went home. And it was incredible trip. Just absolutely 1600 miles, 12 to 14 hours a day in the car, in the truck, driving, stopping for coffee. You know, coffee's horrible out there, Jeff. I tell you, it's <laughs> off. It's just, it was awful. And still, um, and still you persisted. Good man. <laughs> still we persisted. But what an incredible event. This weather wasn't, these weren't big mega storms. These were just giant supercells. Mm -hmm. But photographically, incredibly compelling. The lightning, the the way the sun plays on these, these towering, you know, cumulonimbus clouds. Uh, the countryside was pretty. You know, it was very stark, and so it's great compositionally. You've got these roads that stretch off to the horizon, which make really wonderful leading lines for these storms. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have all these ideas of what I want to do differently next time and how I want to approach this uh, this chase next time. 
And uh, I know we'll do it again because, you know, Cooper's motivated now. So I <laughs> expect him to get straight A's <laughs> so we can do this again. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So tips, you know, if I have to give tips to people who want to photograph severe weather, um, yeah. learn about radar, how to read radar. One of the important things to learn is features in radar, a lot of the radar apps, and we were using ones just on our iPhones. These radar apps have trajectories that you can have projected on there. And so uh, you need to know how to turn those on so you can see where the dangerous areas are, where these storms are moving. Uh, you need to know where the tornado warnings are. And so you can avoid them or, or get as close as possible to them without getting into them. Um, but the big thing is be prepared for lots and lots of driving for a few minutes of photography. Mm -hmm. And it's so worth it because it is an adrenaline rush. It's a, it's a literal chase and it's really, really fun. The part that I didn't photograph enough was inside the car. You know, I got a few photos of Cooper kind of setting up the gear, but I don't really have that many photos of us driving. I don't have that many photos of us, you know, grabbing food in the car and things like that. So yeah, I would like to set up another camera inside that was just pointed back at us and get more photos of us because it was really a special time for us to hang out together. And there's a lot of pointing out the window going, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have liked to have photos of that. You know, that's moments I would like to have had a little bit better documentation of. So yeah, uh, next time, next time, time. and no no speeding tickets next time. That's my other goal. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, You don't have to go that fast. So yeah, uh, we'll All right. see, this is you know part one. We'll do this again. But in the show notes, what we'll put in there for folks, if you're still listening, I'll put some information about uh, our chase, uh, lots of photos and videos from Cooper and I's chase. I'll also put in some videos from the storm chasers. So oh, good. Um, some links to YouTube videos where you can see uh, Perryton, that drone video I mentioned from Perryton and things like that. A lot of these storm chasers, this is how they make their living. They chase mm. these storms and they, they have Patreon accounts and stuff. So there's a couple of storm chasers that I really respect. I'll put the information in there. So if you want to follow them and learn more about storm chasing, which will help your photography, if you want to take this on as a photography challenge, um, they're, they're great educators. Some of these guys, some of them, not so much, but <laughs> I'll put all that in the show notes for people. Sounds great. So thanks for listening to my stories, Jed. Oh, no, I I love listening to your stories. Well, you know, our last episode was all about me talking about my Lightroom book. And so this time it's all about you talking about your adrenaline-fueled trip. So I think it balances out pretty well. Yeah, I don't know. I think your Lightroom book is more meaningful. But (laughs) (laughs) not to Cooper. Not to Cooper, yeah. Cooper doesn't care about my book. reader of the Lightroom book, but – but thanks, everyone, for listening. You great. can find all these show notes we're talking about at our webpage, which is photocombobulate.com. And there's a page for each episode, and this is episode 31, Storm Chasing. So we'll storm see you next chasing. time. Until the next storm. All right. Keep chasing. <laughs> Bye, buddy. <laughs> Bye.